0: Hello and welcome to Gully Boys of Cricket, the voice of fans. Gully Boys is a podcast where fans can speak their mind and also keep share the trophy request to ICC Alive. I am your host, Prakash Vadva. Today we have Aaron Kumar from England joining us. You know, first of all, Aaron, I think uh, we are fortunate that uh, someone like you who is such an ardent Tennis fan, a huge tennis fan is a frequent voice on this podcast, Gully Boys of Cricket. So thanks for bringing this angle, this new angle of tennis uh, into this discussion because uh, we recently had that unfortunate incident with Novak Djokovic at the US Open where he was disqualified. From the tournament. So I'll have you talk more on that. But first, uh, you know, from my perspective, once you suggested this topic, I was very keen on having a talk on this because for me, it raises a bigger question of what is the role of rules in sports? What are rules there for? And are there scenarios where common sense can take its place, where common sense can override the rules? Because rules were written for a reason. They cannot put the sport itself on the back burner or the spirit of the game itself at the back. So get us started, Aaron. What happened? What is your reaction to that? And tell us how it draws parallel to the Cricket World Cup 2019, which is what this platform is about.
1: Well, first of all, Prakash, great to be with you again. So thanks a lot for having me. And hello to, we, I know we've got lots of listeners around the world. I know we've got a few more today that are tennis fans. So welcome to them as well. Always good to have new people tuning in. Prakash, just, just a little bit of a, a backstory, actually, before we come on to the, the match itself. We talk a lot of, in cricket, just to I'll try and relate it as much as I can. We talk about the big three in cricket. And in tennis terms, we also talk about the big three, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. That's in terms of their greatness. But there's long been this kind of feeling in tennis that, Federer and Nadal, because they were dominating the game sort of in the late 2000s, Djokovic was a distant third. They kind of took a lot of the fans, but it's gotten to a stage where I know many in the game feel that um, they, things that Djokovic tries to do, uh, even when it's for fairness, it's often not seen in that way. So just to give you an example, Tennis is one of the few sports where the ATP, that's the governing body of tennis, not for the Grand Slams, admittedly, Prakash, but for all the main tour throughout the year, um, they represent the players, but they also represent the, um, the tournament. So you, you can understand what the players are trying to say. You look at basketball and all these other sports, they have a union representing the players. Tennis have never had that. So they're essentially represented by the same body that also... Represented the tournaments, of course, are gonna be looking at their sponsors and making money. So Djokovic has, along with quite a lot of the players, this was literally a week before the US Open started, just to give our listeners a bit of a, a back. I'm not saying this is related, but it's just important to keep these things in mind. Um, he was looking to start a union for for the sort of top players, and he got a lot of support from this a lot of the, because essentially Prakas, the the ATP players are hardly making much in terms of the percentage overall of the of the earnings, and most of it is going to sponsors. Now, Rightly or wrongly, that's to be debatable. You would argue that the players are the ones who are actually going out there and, 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 and sort of doing it. But what it means is that the lower-ranked players in tennis, the guy ranked 100, 150, which, by the way, is still a really, really good level. 100 in the world in tennis. If you were 100 in the world in cricket or in football, you'd be playing for an elite team. But in tennis, you're barely breaking even. So I think the union is to get more representation for the players. It's to make sure the lower-ranked players get paid better. Now... I appreciate not all the players were at the U S open. I appreciate that some, and I know Federer and Nadal are two big names, obviously legends of the sport, but they've come out not in favor of the union. Now I'm sure they have got their reasons and that's something that they don't want to support, but the establishment very much seemed to be with Federer and Nadal. So because that's the decision they've taken, there was very much this thing in the media that it was spun in a way that this is Djokovic being greedy. He's trying to get more money. When from what I can see, uh, And again, I'm not, because Andy Roddick's called for a union 10 years ago. There have been other people calling for a union. If anything, it's not necessary to help him. This is more going to help the lower ranked players. But the way it has been spun in the media leading up to the tournament was, you know, he's different to the rest of the big three. So all I'm trying to, the the point I'm trying to make there, Prakash, is in cricket, we talk about the big three and the power. I sometimes wonder, although you've got a big three in tennis, it's actually a big two in terms of the clout. Because I do feel that if Federer and Adal maybe were. Wanting to be part of this union, the whole narrative, I, in my opinion, and not just mine, a lot of other people in the tennis community feel would probably have been a bit different. So anyway, we'll we'll park that for a second. But that's just to give you a bit of a backdrop that all that has been going on off the court leading up to the U.S. Open. So that there, there, there's been enough controversy, if you like, about unions and the the players' association. And, and who-
0: I remember hearing about that. I'm not like as I've mentioned before. I'm not the one who watches every tennis tournament, except. A few grand slams here and there, you know, being a huge cricket fan growing up in India. But like everyone who follows tennis, you know, you keep note of the big events in tennis. And this was a big news. I remember catching, it was a couple of weeks ago where Nadal uh, stood up. He raised a voice, uh, I believe it was against what uh, Djokovic was trying to do. So this is an interesting angle to the issue that, because one of the questions in my head on the incident, and we'll talk about the incident in a bit. One of the questions in my head was, this is, why would they do that? Because this is detrimental to the tournament or, you know, the people watching that tournament itself. Why would they knock out a top player in the current when, you know, so many others are not even taking part in the tournament? Why did they do that? So this brings in an important question that was there another angle to this? This wasn't an instant decision either. As you had indicated to me earlier, that this took some deliberation on part of the empires and referee
1: to make this decision? Djokovic, to be honest, has been in absolutely sublime. I I know that we've been a few months without tennis, but he won the Australian Open this year. He's won Dubai. He then won what should have been Cincinnati Masters last week. They played it at the venue of the US Open. So he's essentially unbeaten coming into the US Open. Heavy, heavy favorite. I mean, obviously a Federer and Nadal are there. They're great players, but he's not lost to Federer in eight years in a Grand Slam, not lost to Nadal in six years. So he was a big, big favorite to win this tournament. And he's playing in the fourth round um, on Sunday, Pablo Carrena Busta, who, you know, a very solid player from Spain, um, made the semi-finals a couple of years ago, 2017. But on paper, it's a match that Djokovic, really, you would expect to win it fairly comfortably. Now, credit to Carrena Busta, he was actually playing quite well in the first set. Busta was about to serve for that first set. It's not even guaranteed Buster would have won that first set. Djokovic is quite capable of breaking him back and whatever. Um, I've seen lots of replays of this incident now, and I, I, I will come on to that. But he then, and what our listeners should remember in tennis, you change ends every two games. So often you just, the players are so used to it, they just hit the ball and they hit it to a ball boy or something to kind of. And it looked to me, watching, watching that, he wasn't angry. He wasn't, he just was kind of, his face didn't show any anger to me. He just kind of hit the ball, not even that hard, flicked it was aiming for a ball boy walked off the moment he he hit it it was almost like he realized that it hadn't gone perhaps in the direction that he had thought and unfortunately it did um connect with the with the lion's woman which you know we don't obviously want to see anyone injured or hurt and djokovic being a good sport ran straight over to her to see if she was okay she did sound make some some sounds and sound in distress but the point is she, she was able to get back up at that stage the Match referee was called out and you could hear a few words. You could hear them deliberating um, what had happened. And Djokovic, you can't hear the whole conversation. It's not all audible, but you can hear him saying, but her health is okay. She doesn't have to go to the hospital. And then what was very important, Prakash, because the rules in tennis say there is some some leniency for the umpire. The umpire can either, because there's four warnings in tennis. The first warning is just a warning that that's it. If you get warned a second time, you can get a point penalty. Third time, you lose a game. Fourth is a match. If the umpire feels that there's anger or intent in your action, as in you're deliberately trying to cause harm, then they can jump straight to a... And the, You can hear Djokovic say, but you have the option. You can give me a point penalty. You can give me a game penalty if you want. Um, and then the umpire saying, I have no choice. And Djokovic said, but you've admitted you have the opportunity to actually give me a warning. So you do have a choice. I thought that was that that came out in the conversation. In the end, the umpire clearly told him that you're disqualified. And to be fair to Djokovic, he didn't at that point put up any, he went and shook Buster's hand and obviously walked off the court. What, a couple of things to just pick up on that. The match referee, so the umpire's the one on the court, the match referee's off court. The match referee has now accepted Although he had that discussion with Djokovic, he did not watch the replay at the time. He came on the court and disqualified him with not having watched it. The way it was, even before I had watched it back, initially I'd read he'd hit the ball in anger. Then I had to watch, it's only when I've watched the replay hundreds of times now, that is not done in anger. That was just a freak occurrence that happened. And, and thankfully, yeah, okay, the Lions woman's okay. But, you know, that is meant to be taken into consideration just last week. um, Aliaz Bedene, Slovenian tennis player, was playing in the Cincinnati Masters. Now, he, hit, he swatted the ball away, and it, was, it looked a bit of frustration. It wasn't hit that hard. It actually hit the cameraman. Um, it did hit the cameraman. And the umpire did the same thing. The umpire said, I have to get the match referee down. And what the match referee did, he came on the court, and he asked the cameraman, are you hurt? Are you injured? The, the cameraman said, no, I'm not. I, I'm okay. And the referee said, do you think it was a deliberate action? And... He said, no. And, and then the referee turned to the umpire and said, well, in that case, I think you should give him a warning, but nothing more than that. And people said common sense is... So that's an interesting thing for us to bear in mind because there's not a lot of difference there between that and that. And then the other one that's been brought to people's attention was 2006, Prakash. Um, Roger Federer went on to win the Australian Open and he flicked the ball and it was at a decent sort of pace, it caught the ball boy and he just grinned and said, you'll have to be a bit quicker next time. And actually that ball boy has come out and said... That same ball boy that got hit in 2006 and said, when Djokovic hit a lineswoman woman, he got disqualified. I got hit and I never got an apology. So I just thought that's quite interesting, just given what what we had in the build up. Because, I mean, if Alice Bedinay only got a warning, and there've been so many instances when players just got a warning, you know, um, that... To disqualify the world number disqualifications don't happen that often. They very very rarely happen in tennis. So to disqualify a world number one in a Grand Slam when he's a hot favourite, given what's happened a week before, to me just it just makes it feel a little bit uh, a bit strange, Brakash.
0: Let me say one thing because you did mention about uh, watching that uh, uh, replay so many times. So as soon as the news came out, I happened to watch, because it was such a, you know, big news in tennis, I happened to watch that moment. To me, it seemed like just, like, very, very accidental, I would say. That there was leave-apart anger. There was no intent on part of uh, Djokovic to do anything like that. And I was surprised. That rule was probably written to keep some civility in sport, to keep... And when you start comparing that moment to why the rule was written, there is definitely a conflict For me, it should have been a straight apology, which I'm sure Djokovic did. You talk about that moment for a bit and you move on, especially if he's your number one, especially in the times you are living in right now. You know, you don't want to create more conflict in general, leave alone the sport in general. Now, you brought in a very interesting point about Federer and the initial story you mentioned. So I want to ask you that question. What if this happened to Federer and two. Does that give an idea of, uh, like, more on the
1: story? I think it's a really, really good point, Prakash. And I think you even asking that, does, just for our listeners who are tennis fans, we sometimes talk about the big three in cricket, and we mean the most powerful, like England, Australia, India. And I think it's a very, very similar situation here. You asked me if it was Federer, and I think I almost see the goalpost being moved here because we say, because clearly the rules say intent or anger. It was clear there was no intent. Most people accept there was no intent. There was no anger from from Novak and I hear a lot of people that support Federer say oh it doesn't matter about the anger or it doesn't matter about the intent but then if that's the case then last year at the French Open against Nadal he's absolutely smacked the ball in anger when he got broken and it could I think it did hit someone in the crowd not that hard but you know not even a warning for that so you know I think that the answer is right there for you Prakash I think you'd have probably just got a a warning at best um and then, and been allowed to carry on, which to be honest, whoever you support is probably the the way to go. But what, what's frustrating is that inconsistency that you're not seeing. And it almost feels like the one who's who hasn't got the clout enjoys he's a world number one in terms of the player, but in terms of the establishment, doesn't he's trying to do something to speak up for the players? It just feels to me like he's, he's that it's almost he's been, he's been silenced. You have to remember, Prakash, Federer didn't play because he's injured, Nadal wanted to defend his French Open, he felt he couldn't do both. They're two big names. You know, they're two big names in tennis. So the world number one has decided to make that trip to the US Open, which kind of been easy. You know, he's got a young family. You're going in the bubble. Um, it's a big sacrifice that's been made. So I kind of feel, I'm not saying that if you do something bad, you shouldn't be punished. Of course you should. But I, I don't think the punishment fits the crime here at all, in my, in my opinion.
0: Let's uh, now move towards the World Cup. You brought in this uh, story because it draws a very important parallel with cricket, for the game, for sport in general. So now, if you look back at the World Cup final 2019, of course, there is, you know, big question mark on the rules. I mean, the cricket community knows it. Cricket community agrees with it, that the right thing to do would have been announcing joint champions because the match was tied. Then there was a tiebreaker, which was tied. And there was never a break beyond that. Like, who won? It was awarded on something arbitrary. So... That being said, there was another moment in that game where the rules were in question, where the umpires and the referees or the third umpire or the match referee, they did not even talk about it. They had no, I would say, awareness of the rules or they were overlooked or, you know, some story there. But the main match was tied because there was some ignorance on the rules in the main game. And then the match was decided on rules which did not even belong to the game. And everyone agrees that rule has been changed now. So the voice has been to retrospectively look at that and do justice to the game and not divide the cricket community, just like this moment is dividing tennis. So tell us, what are your points on drawing that parallel
1: between cricket and tennis? Very well well said there, Prakash, as far as the cricket goes. So the main parallel is two things. The first one is injustice. I think the way New Zealand were treated last year, And just for a, just a very quick synopsis for our tennis fans. I know some of them who are listening in for the first time might not have followed the cricket. Last year's cricket world cup between England and New Zealand was a, was a tied match essentially. Um, and as, as Prakash said, the main reason it was a tie was because of some contentious umpiring, umpiring, which went against New Zealand. But that being, be that as it may, the match ended as a tie. And then they had a super over, which is almost like a penalty shooter. And that was also a tie. Um, and we all thought the rules were that they would share the trophy, but on a technicality because England had hit more boundaries in the match, England were awarded the cup, even though the match and the, and the tiebreaker were both, were both tied. So it, that was a seri- you almost felt sorry for England fans there. As we said before, They've, their teams won a world cup, but it doesn't feel like it was, it's a vagary of a, of, of a rule which we never thought would happen. And that rule has subsequently, as you say, been changed. And I think if you move that to this, this is the first time I've had that feeling as a sports fan since then. We talked about unprecedented freakish things happen. I mean, with Federer and Adal not there, you've still got the best player in the world. Now, a lot has been said. I think in the last 49 Grand Slams, only once has there been two Finalists that have never played in a Grand Slam final before. that You've got to go back six years for that to happen. Chilik and Shikori. These three have been absolutely dominating everything. So ideally, to win your first Grand Slam, you would kind of expect to have to beat at least Djokovic. Now, look, if Karina Buster had beaten Djokovic in the fourth round, you can kind of accept that because you're only as good as a person you beat. And then if Thiem or Zverev, if they end up playing Buster, fair play to them, you know, because they would have beaten the guy that beat no, Djokovic, the fact that it was 6-5 in the first set, so long to go in that match, Djokovic has been disqualified on a technicality, on a freakish result, which, to be honest, is open to interpretation of the rules and say, but then got away with the same thing last week. He could have easily just got a warning. There's so many question marks there that you can't help but feel sorry in a way I do for Dominic Thiemann and Alex Zverev. Now, they're playing in the finals tomorrow. It's Alex Zverev's first Grand Slam final. It's Dominic Thiem's fourth. So, you know, he's been coming close. You've got to say he's been playing pretty well, but he's lost all three of his previous Grand Slam finals. One of them is going to be a first-time Grand Slam champion tomorrow in the way that England won their first World Cup last year. But, and as much as you've got to give them credit because they're going to be a Grand Slam champion, you can't help but feel, we talked about satisfaction in sport. Now, if if Djokovic had actually been beaten and they'd beaten his conqueror or they'd beaten him directly... That's fine. But I think there's always going to be that question mark about Djokovic, this is a tournament where Novak Djokovic was disqualified? People are talking about asterisks because of the pandemic. I don't really buy that. I think that, you know, you get people not turning up. For, if you look at it, there's no real difference in the top 100 not playing um, from previous years because of injuries and things like that. A lot of the players have made the, made the decision to go to the bubble. But for me, I'm not going to say an asterisk because I think that's not really a, a fair thing. But I think that question mark, that satisfaction you know, if it had been Federer and Adal winning, in the same way, like if it had been Australia that had won, we've talked about this before, if Australia, if they were awarded that cup last year, it wouldn't make it the right decision. But I think the fact that they'd already won five, you'd kind of say, well, you can almost fall back on the fact that they've won five and then this one's not right, it's an aberration. But for England fans, this is probably worse because they haven't won another cup. You know, this is their only World Cup to date. And the only World Cup is the one that's got that kind of, Asterisk, or that kind of question mark, or that that feeling of, of, of dissatisfaction around it, and it's the same for Thiem and Zverev. They're going to win a Grand Slam tomorrow, one of them, and it's with that whole question mark of Novak Djokovic being disqualified for rules that haven't been interpreted properly. So the actual outcome is a little bit different. Prakash, we're not talking about a tied match and super overs, obviously, but the actual what's happening here and what's at stake, and. Okay, tennis is a bit different. We don't have to wait every four years. We get grand slams four of them a year. but the u s Open is what, it's the biggest international event that's taken place since you know since lockdown since the pandemic. It, you know it, it is the biggest international event that's taken place. so I think to just have a result that hinges on a call without a match referee even looking at the thing, that's really questionable to me, Prakash.
0: I want to have one last question to you, but before that. And that's on the community, tennis community. Where where does it go from here? What does it mean to them? But before that, I want to say something on the cricket World Cup final, because it's been an ear to that. Now we know what this is about. As you said, rightly said, it's about justice. We know if it was not New Zealand, a small nation, if it was a more powerful nation, like you said, the big three, we would have a different result already by now, most likely. We have known that that incident has divided the sport community, the cricket community. England's win is not as respected outside of England. People don't see them as outright champions. Now, one year later, when we try to justify that result, people, you know, bring in those negative terms as, fixed and cheated in into the game so easily. So it's about all those things. It's about bringing everyone together and doing the right thing for the game. Because what is sport about? It's about that challenge that you have as a nation. Yes, you fight those challenges in the Grand Slams, in the World Cup. But it's also about uniting us all across borders. So when we talk about that, there is not even a distinction of cricket or tennis. Every sport is about that. It's about giving you that thrill, watching it. And at the end, it's feeling you giving you that feel of being one together. So, where does this moment leave tennis or take tennis? Does it divide them? Does it unite them? Where does the community stand?
1: But the thing with tennis, Prakash. Obviously, with cricket, we have, you know, often be a cricket all the time. But in terms of world cups and the big events, there's a bit of a, a gap between them. Whereas in tennis, it's constantly moving. I think that this is going to divide tennis for a long, long time. I do feel when all said and done, and when Djokovic retires in my opinion i do feel tennis wise he's probably going to break a lot of the records so i think tennis wise i think that's going to be there for him to, to do and i think that sometimes in history and in sport people are looked on a lot kinder in history than they, than they are actually when they're doing and i think it's if he's able to achieve his players union and get it going and have the support of a lot of the lower ranked players and i think if it can make a difference for some players I think actually his legacy is going to be because he, you know his coaches have told him stay away from this. Goran Ivanisevic and Marion Vider have said, very very noble cause that you're fighting for, but you don't need all this hassle from the media. Just focus on your tennis. But he said he can't let it go. You know, and 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 that's another reason why I wanted to do this because it's a bit like us. With you know, obviously that's a very different sport. He's a legend of the game, and we're here doing share the trophy. But. It's something that we're passionate about. So many of our listeners about share the trophy. And, you know, we feel that we've got a cause that we, we you know, we, we're we passionate about and we, we we do believe in it. And he's very much the same in the Players Association. He could easily, as a world number one, he's a multi-millionaire. He doesn't need to worry about it if he doesn't want to. But, you know, he still wants to look after the lower ranked players. I do feel, though, having said all of that, and I, as much as I think he'll continue doing the union stuff, obviously Raphael the is the king of clay. I think Djokovic is one guy that has beaten him in the past at the French. I'm not sitting here saying he's going to beat him, whatever. But I do feel that he's such a strong, resilient character. I think this is actually going to make him play even better. And that might be one way that he's able to just galvanise himself and kind of move forward from this as well. But it's not going to be easy because it must be quite a difficult thing to... At least with cricket, the New Zealanders had the team to come together in the country. But, you know, that's a, that's a tough ask.
0: In the end, I would say, Aaron, that the world in general is going through a tough time not just the coronavirus. I mean, if you look at from politics here in the US to UK, whether it is in India or any part of the world, everything seems so divided all the time. You know, any opinion, anything you mention, there are, everything is so divided right now. And you feel like when such moments arrive, like the Cricket World Cup Final 2019, like this tennis moment, the people who are in charge of making decisions the umpires, the referee, the leaders of the game. You know, they should take things into account, the times we are living in, and every effort should be made towards uniting, towards making sure we don't add to that dividedness. That's that's what I feel, that this was again a moment which could have been just, uh, I know someone got hurt, hopefully she's doing better, she wasn't hurt much, but you can laugh it off and you can move on, and we won't
1: even have to talk about these things. Sort of in just, I know you're just in line with that, Prakash, when ali's Bednay hit the cameraman last week in, you know, by accident, and when the referee asked the cameraman, are you okay? And he said, yeah, was it deliberate? No. He said to the umpire, just give him a warning. He doesn't need to. And, you know, the commentators and everyone at the time said, common sense has prevailed that was a prevailing thing that came from that and we've discussed this at length common sense and that was and everyone praised the referee for common sense but if, if that's common sense last week how can it not be common sense this week to do the same thing for joe you know it has to be consistent it's common sense but i think the new word needs to be consistency as well that's very well
0: said common sense and consistency you know rules are there for a reason rules are there to keep sport together so we can watch it in a nice way but eventually you know there are situations where as i said initially common sense has to override the rules so the eventual goal of the sport is kept alive so thank you aaron for bringing this very interesting story and such a good parallel to the cricket world cup 2019 thank you to all of you for joining in on Gully Boys of Cricket. I will see you on the
1: next episode.